The question that we ask you this morning as an opening uh, question, an opening dialogue, is this question of where do you find refuge in the storm? Where do you find refuge in the storm? We are uh, in this sermon series called Table Talk. Uh, today, really, we're going to talk about the fact uh, that's, that's laid out here in the passage for us, but the title today is When the Nations Rage. How do we find refuge in the storm when the nations rage? Let me read, if, if we can begin this morning, from Amos chapter 5. I'm just going to read this to you. Uh, this is the message translation. It says this, Justice is a lost cause. Evil is an epidemic. Decent people are throwing up their hands. Protest and rebuke seem useless, a waste of breath. It has been quite a week since we uh, gathered uh, last week, just seven days ago, uh, we, we started out last week with some uh, peaceful protests that began to turn into riots a week ago. Uh, and then uh, Monday afternoon, Monday evening, uh, President Trump uh, called, uh, stood in front of a church with a Bible, and, and it, uh, he had just pushed a number of people out with, with brute force out of that area. And then you follow that up Tuesday, uh, Pastor Mario led a, a Tuesday at 2 with, uh, with our students just praying over uh, what's going on in our nation, and, and uh, he and Denise shared tears uh, as to some of the stuff uh, that is going on. Uh, we got word on Tuesday as well that the phase two for Western New York here, uh, COVID phase two had begun, and so that meant that there was a, a changing on that front. Uh, but then later that evening, going into the next day, we also received word in the, the news headlines were that now the Buffalo Police Department were now going to be on the front page of not only our local newspapers, but the national newspapers, because a 75-year-old man had been knocked to the ground bleeding. Uh, this has been a difficult week. Uh, what you didn't maybe notice this week is that all this was going on in California. Uh, they had an earthquake this week, uh, 5.4 magnitude, I believe. So they're getting shook around in, in more ways than one uh, there in California. And then uh, if, if you were aware of it, there was also a, an, an asteroid or a meteorite that, that came pretty close to the, to the Earth this week. I mean, it, it's been quite a week. It was the size of the Empire State Building. If that thing had hit us, we would, we would really have felt it in a different way. And then specifically for us as a church, we just got the news less than 24 hours ago that uh, while phase two had opened up uh, on Tuesday, we were told that we were only allowed to have 10 people gathered. And then it changed yesterday at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday afternoon uh, that our church would be allowed to open up to 25% capacity. And so there's just been a lot of moving things, a lot of things that seems like really difficult to grab a hold of. And, and I feel like this, this passage in Amos, where you just want to throw up your hands and say, I don't know what to do. If I continue on there in Amos chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, let's continue there. It says, I can't stand your religious meetings. Friends, it's nice to gather together. It's good to be able to, to talk uh, and, and share God's word together. But, but this is the reality of the situation. This is God's voice speaking. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences, your conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects, your pretentious slogans, and all of your goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations, and your image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you actually sang to me? Don't you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all that I want. Now, the prophet Amos is an Old Testament prophet. He is calling for justice. He's calling for justice, and he's calling the people of Judah, calling them to have a proper focus on worship and for worship gatherings. 
So if we fast forward and look to the New Testament, Acts chapter 4, where we're going to be today, you're going to see that Peter and John were also calling out for justice. And Peter and John were also calling out for a focus on what is the true reason of worship. What is the true and proper worship? And that is Jesus Christ, who is now the new covenant uh, made between God and man. Interestingly, Luke's response as we read through the book of Luke, the book of Acts, which written by Luke as well as the Gospel of Luke, uh, the way that he writes about the Roman government is actually fascinating from a historical point of view. He seems to go out of his way to show that Christians were actually loyal citizens, and they they were not lawbreakers and they were not criminals. He takes pains to point out that the Roman officials always treated Christians fairly and courteously. This was very important for that that first century Jew because they wanted to know that if Christianity was perceived to be a political movement, it would be squashed immediately. And so as we look at this context, it seemed like he's being very careful here. But his focus in Acts is that we would make sure that the gospel and the movement of the Holy Spirit would be very clear. And so that's always where the camera is tied in and focused in on is how is the Holy Spirit moving? And no matter what the setting is, it's always how is the Holy Spirit moving. Last week we saw Peter and John standing in front of the Sanhedrin calling for justice but warned uh, no longer to speak of Jesus of Nazareth. They would have to stop. And next week we're going to be talking about the apostles beginning to receive possessions and care for the poor and the needy around them. They would all be of one heart and one mind. But today, in a very private meeting, We're going to read about how Luke will demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit changing and healing the hearts of the people. So if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to read through the whole passage today. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, to show you where we're going in totality this morning. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, they met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand would happen. Now, Lord, consider the threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Dear Lord, we pray that your word would ring out here today, that we would be able to speak your word boldly as we come to your text this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If I go back to the Amos passage and read it once again that I started with this morning, justice appears to be a lost cause. Evil is an epidemic. Decent people are throwing up their hands. Protest and rebuke are useless. It's all a waste of breath, the prophet Amos says. So when we look at this New Testament passage, when the nations, nations rage, what will we do? Will we throw up our hands? Will we, will we throw in the towel? No, this passage is teaching us that we are to rise up and pray. When the nations rage, rise up and pray. So the question I want to begin this morning, this is a Facebook question to ask you, is this. Uh, This is the day that the Lord has made. What will you do to rejoice in it? And the first point we want to make here this morning, when the nations rage, rise up and pray that God's authority 
be acknowledged. Now, Pastor Mario, I flew through this passage, but it's because we're going to go into it in more detail as we go. Will you deal with this first point, if you will, that God's authority would be acknowledged? Yeah, I, I sure will. And um, I don't know if you gave me this question because I'm the seminary student and you want to put me to the test on yeah, what let's I'm do learning it. Yeah. and where my money is going to, you know. <laughs> but uh, isn't this a question that, um, that a lot of us have? Mm. And, and if you're watching us on, on Facebook, if I look in the audience, it's because we do, again, have some people in our audience today that we're thankful for. And so I haven't forgotten you. But um, isn't that the question that we have is that, um, you know, in situations that come that may not be uh, exciting in our life, there is still the fact that God is in control. And as believers in Christ, we have to acknowledge the fact that every situation is under the control of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Father and the Holy Spirit. You know, um, what's cool, what you brought up, Milo, earlier about, about the book of Acts is how Luke is trying to get this message through his letter to the Roman government. He's trying to show the Roman government that, that, um, that Christians should be, they're okay. They're not gonna, they're not gonna ruin the Roman government. And, and the reason being is because Christians are ones who follow the will of God. Hmm. And prior to this, of course, we saw that, um, they, that Peter and, uh, and uh, John had healed a man and they testified that it was because of Jesus that they healed this man. And so now as they are released, the scripture says in verse 23, the scripture says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the uh, chief uh, priests and elders had said to them. And here's, here's what I want us to focus on this morning. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. There's two things that I want us to look at as we kind of dive into this section of the scripture. Notice what they do. They gather and they pray. Mm -hmm. You know, if that's a starting point in our life and we're not sure why God is doing things or what the situation might be in our life, the first thing we need to do as followers of Christ is we need to gather with other believers. We need to pray. Now, in our situation right now, we're in the pandemic and it's, you know, social distancing. You know, that, that may mean a phone call or an email, but uh, gathering together, letting somebody know the situation you're going in and having them pray for you and coming to God in that and, and acknowledging that, God, you are sovereign in this situation that I'm in. You are in control of this situation that I'm in. And no matter what happens, I'm going to trust in you. And they make that confession in verse 24. They prayed, Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Man, if you want to find confidence in the Lord, if you want to find confidence in the fact that we have a sovereign God, look no further than to creation itself. Hmm. That the God of the universe who created every intricacy we see in creation is the God of the universe who has sovereign control over every aspect of our life. That's a powerful thing to think about. Just meditate on that for a minute. That the God of the universe, who knows every single piece of hair on your head, knows your situation and he is in control. He is sovereign. And we should rise up as believers and we should pray and we should trust him. And as I wrap up my portion this morning, I want to take, take a look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, in Corinth, states this. He says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not, be, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, 
but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up. In the Greek, that word that is used for tempted is the same word that's used throughout the New Testament for uh, trials. And so we can really put trials in this word. When you are going through a trial, God is faithful. He will not let you go into a trial that you will not be able to stand up against because of the power of God that's within you. And so that's what we need to do, church. We need to pray. We need to rise up. We need to gather. And we need to pray because by acknowledging the Lord's sovereignty, it helps us see through situations. Thanks, Pastor Mar. As we continue on, let me restate this one more time. Uh, when the nations rage, rise up and pray that God's authority would be acknowledged, that God's authority would be acknowledged, and then secondly, that God's word would be accomplished. When the nations raged, rise up and pray that God's authority would be acknowledged and that God's word would be accomplished. Let me continue reading here in verse 25. We, we see what they are quoting God's word from the Old Testament that they had, the scriptures that they had in front of them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. So this is coming from Psalms. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. So this is what those, those first apostles are looking back into Scripture, and they're, they're looking at Scripture, and they found something they feel very specifically is connecting to their world that day. When they are seeing the nations rise up, or some of your uh, translations say that, that you see the Gentiles rising up, that they're seeing this, and they're looking back, and he's looking back at the, the, the Psalm chapter 2, or the Scriptures that they have in front of them. If I read Psalm chapter 2, beginning verse 1, it says, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord. The key connection that we're making here, the key connection that the apostles are making, and therefore I want to make to you this morning, is that the nations are gathering together against the Lord. Now, now King David, uh, he had a lot of people who were against him often. And, and we ask you on, the, on Facebook, why do, you think, why do you think that the book of Psalms has so many psalms about sorrow and pain and discomfort? Because when, when David is looking at this, he's looking around and he says, I don't like what I'm seeing. And see, the reality is, is when we look around the world, we don't like what we're seeing, but we don't know what to do with it. And we have the Bible to come back to, and particularly uh, the Psalms is a place that we can come and see again and again, how did God's people deal with what they were seeing? And specifically, David here, he looks and he sees uh, people gathering together, rising up, and he sees and he points to the fact that they are rising up ultimately against God. They are rebelling against God. This is a result of sin in the Garden of Eden that, that humankind is constantly gathering itself together, just like they did at the Tower of Babel, just like they did in the days of Noah, that they would be gathering up against God himself. He shows here that the kings of the earth are uniting. And what are they saying? They're saying things like this. They're saying, let us break the chains of chaos. Or let us throw off the fetters that hold us. That's going on here in chapter 2. And, 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 and David is pointing out, he is, he is prophesying, he says, I've installed my king. Uh, my Zion, my holy hill will be there. And in there I will proclaim the, the decree of the Lord. And he continues to point forward, David is pointing forward to the anointed one who would be Jesus. You see, when they're saying, let us throw off the fetters, let us throw off the chains, they're not saying, let us throw off the chains of a government, let us throw off the chains of a ruler, let us throw off the chains of a power. No, they're saying, let us throw off the chains 
of God himself. That he is binding us and keeping us from doing what we want to do. God's anointed one is Jesus Christ. And the apostles make this connection, and they make this connection very strongly that we are to serve the Lord. And the response there, when they are standing in front of the Sanhedrin, and then when they come back and they talk to their friends in this, in this private meeting, again, the Holy Spirit is going to be demonstrated here. He's going to be shown very clearly here. And as He is shown, the Holy Spirit is going to propel them forward so that they can do what? So they can serve the Lord. So that they can take refuge in Him. Psalm chapter 2, the last verse of Psalm chapter 2 says this, From the Lord will come deliverance. May your blessings be on your people, and in you may I find refuge. We're not going to find refuge anywhere else, friends. My brother-in-law decided at 18 that he was tired of his dad telling him what to do all the time. <laughs> and he felt like he needed to get out from under the rule, under the control. And so you know what he did? He joined the Coast Guard so that no one could tell him what to do anymore. <laughs> That's, yeah, okay. Nice plan, right? <laughs> Foolishness. We've got to understand that it is part of our human nature, part of the sin nature, is that we're rebelling against the control of an almighty God. An almighty sovereign God that Pastor Mario just talked about, who, who spun the world into motion, who is in control of all things. And it is in Him that we will find refuge. When the nations rage, rise up and pray that God's authority would be acknowledged, that God's word would be accomplished when he says that I will give my son authority and rule and it's in him you will find refuge. And then thirdly this morning, that God's people would boldly speak. When the nations rage, find that God's authority be acknowledged, that God's word be accomplished and that God's people would boldly speak. So on a little bit lighter note, this is our Facebook question for you here. Our Facebook question is this. Uh, what life hacks do you have? How do you get rid of dandelions? Uh, in some ways, this is a, a personal problem that I'm looking for help on, assistance <laughs> on. And then other ways, we're going to use this analogy to go a little bit deeper in this. Pastor Brian, when the nation's rage rides up and pray, pray that God's people would boldly speak. Will you deal with this as it comes out of this passage for us this morning? Yeah, so when we talk about the nation's rising, here in this next section... Um, Names are going to be given. We're, actually, we're going to be start naming people specifically on who these nations are. So here in Acts 4, starting in verse 27, it says, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So they're going to start naming some names here. Uh, they're going to get very specific about who we're talking about specifically when it comes to Jesus. So the first, uh, first thing he deals with is Rome. And so he names a couple of guys, Pontius Pilate and Herod. Now Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea, which was the larger region around Israel. His responsibility was to kind of oversee kind of generally and making sure that their peace remained in that general region, whereas Herod was the ruler of Galilee, which was a specific kind of uh, county, perhaps, uh, it, that was in Israel. And so uh, uh, Pontius Pilate, he had sort of the bigger view in mind. Uh, Herod sort of had the smaller, kind of more localized 
of you in mind. Actually very similar to what we're experiencing right now as we're hearing from our local officials. We hear uh, Governor Cuomo come out almost daily at this point. He is the governor of New York. He's sort of thinking through regionally about how this is happening. But we also hear from our county executive, Mark Polencars, as well. He's more interested in the local and how it affects Erie County specifically. This is actually very similar to what it would have been like uh, back then. Pilot had the uh, governor approach. He had the Como approach. He, he, he looked around the whole region where Herod had sort of this uh, more localized uh, uh, agenda in mind. But what's interesting is that they often were rivals. They often had their own agendas. They actually were working uh, against each other hmm. in order to try to uh, tit for tat, try to get uh, more power as they went on. We actually see this with uh, Jesus's uh, trial, right? They keep sending them back to Pilate, sends them to Herod, Herod sends them back to Pilate, right? There's this uh, agenda. They're on the same side, and yet they aren't on the same side. They still have their own agendas. And then, of course, he, he mentions the Gentiles, and then he gen uh, mentions the people uh, of Israel, which of course they have their own problems, right? And this is most of the New Testament uh, is, is a problem with Jews and Gentiles and how they get along. So what we find is that all of these different groups, they have their own agendas, they're all different, and they were all rivals in most things. But what they shared in common was a lack of recognition in the authority of Jesus. What all of these different rivals and agendas had in common was that they all turned their back on the authority of Jesus. Because when Jesus comes on the scene, he says things like, you have to lose your life to gain it. That the last shall be first and the first shall be last. To take up your cross and die. And that messaging actually threatens agendas on all sides. The agendas of control and empowerment recognition, platform, self-justification. And so the whole world in Jesus' day conspire against him because Jesus threatens agendas on every side. Last week, we have seen protests. We have seen social media posts. We've seen call to actions and demands to speak up. And they're all on different sides, different organizations, there's different voices, and their agendas are different and often rival each other, even if seemingly they seem on the same side. But what they all have in common is a lack of recognition of the authority of Jesus. Now, I have a new neighbor, talking about the dandelions, I have a new neighbor, and after years of neglect from the previous owners, uh, their front yard looks like a bed of dandelions. I mean, it looks like they have yellow grass. It's really uh, quite uh, a scene, because everyone else is fine except for this one plot right next door to us. And so our new neighbors the other day, they mowed, and they mowed all those dandelions down. And for a day, it looked great. It looked wonderful. It was like, oh, finally, they fixed it. Well, they fixed it for one day, <laughs> right? Because the very next day, they were all right back again. Because what had happened was that he dealt with the weed, but he didn't deal with the root. Mm -hmm. He dealt with the weed, and for a day it disappeared, but he didn't deal with the root, so inevitably it comes back. I've been burdened over this last week in the lack of Jesus in the conversation. The lack of Jesus in the conversation, even amongst Christians, it seems like we're trying to deal with the weed, 
and not the root. We're trying to deal with the weed and not the root because Jesus deals with the root. Jesus says that we're all sinners, that nothing good comes out of us, and that we all see things through the distorted bias of our hearts. And so everyone has to lose their life. Everyone has to be last. Everyone has to take up the cross and die. That is the only way forward. But the problem is this threatens the agendas on all sides. The agenda of control, the agenda of empowerment, the agenda of recognition, of platforms, of self-justification. And so the whole world turns their back on Jesus. And so like they prayed in our passage this morning, we as Christians must pray for the Holy Spirit to enable us to speak boldly to the root, to declare that the only way forward is Jesus, to lose our lives, to be last, to take up your cross and die. And that work starts with us. It starts with you and it starts with me. It's accepting the gospel every day that I'm a sinner, that nothing good comes out of me, and that I see things through the distorted bias of my heart. I need Jesus to make me new. And it's from that place where we start with us first. We can begin to speak his word boldly. We can begin to press the gospel in our world, a world that is threatened by this messaging, and pray that the Holy Spirit will enable us to speak boldly about that. That's just been a thing that's pressed uh, on my heart as I've seen the conversation this week. Man, guys, and, and really it was sparked by you, Mario, in your post on Tuesday where you really came on and you said, we need Jesus. Mm-hmm. That was the start of a new framework for me. I, I really appreciate that word you gave. And I said, you're right. Like, we need that more than ever. We need to speak that boldly. Yeah. All right. So let's take a look at this. If we're going to say that that we're going to rise up and pray. When the nations raise, we rise up and pray that God's authority be acknowledged, that God's word be accomplished, that God's people would boldly speak. This is number four. That God's healing would be miraculous. Yeah. That God's healing would be miraculous. The reason why we must focus on Jesus Christ is because it's the only healing that will actually uh, heal the problem. This is a root sin issue in all of us, friends. As long as we continue pointing at everyone else, saying, well, he's the problem, she's the problem, they're the problem, the system's the problem, hmm. we've got to understand that we are the problem. Look at verse 30. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The place that they were in, friends. It didn't change the neighborhood before it changed the place, the small gathering that they had there. The place that they were in was changed first. It must start with Jesus. Mm -hmm. We need a miracle. We asked this Facebook question. It says, what does miraculous healing of our nation look like? What would miraculous healing of our nation look like? 
And we believe when you look at this passage, if you're going to pray that, that our meeting would be shaken, we want to be shaken here this morning. That's an Old Testament reference. Uh, when the mountain of uh, Mount Sinai shook and, the, and you knew that God was in that place. When the temple shook because they knew that God had entered the temple. Uh, when the cross of Christ shakes and the earth splits in two, it's because they knew that God was moving. And we see it again here, that God was moving. Friends, we need a miraculous movement in our hearts and in our lives. We are told uh, that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We cannot be conformed to this world. We must be transformed. Understand that this is not in our normal DNA. We must be transformed. There must be a miracle that takes place. It must start with Jesus. And specifically to the issues that we're dealing here with this week, issues of racial unrest, I'm speaking to you as a white pastor of a predominantly white church, we need to be transformed. We need to be transformed. Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, we just celebrated Memorial Day and there were wreaths everywhere and, and Dr. King, his message was resonating through all of the black evangelical community, a, a great swelling that came up, but you know who was fighting against it? The white evangelical community. You know who was holding him back? The very seminary that, that Pastor Mario was taking classes at, Southern Seminary, he was asked to come and speak in their chapel. And it was all the churches in the area that removed their funding from that seminary and said, he cannot come and speak here. The women's right to vote came in the 20s. And the women had been marching for that for years. But it wasn't until a white man and white men actually made a change, a transformation of their position that women had the right to vote. In our nation and in our country, there is a problem of white people, and we don't realize that we don't actually understand how we contribute to it. Because you say, well, I'm not a racist. I haven't said those things. I haven't done those things. I didn't stop uh, Martin Luther King from coming and speaking in our church, but it is built in. Because at the end of the day, we are all part of this fight back against a holy God who has made us all in His image. And we don't like it. And particularly for white people, this system benefits me. And it benefits you. And it's very difficult for us to talk about Robin D'Angelo has written a book, and she's getting more and more attention for it right now. It's a couple years old, but it's called Deconstructing White Privilege, Why White People Can't Talk About White Privilege. And it's very eye-opening to me. It was shared with me by an African-American pastor this week, and he said, I think you need to read this. And starting to go through and look at some of those things and understanding that there are issues that are at hand that we contribute to, issues that are sin, they, they are sin. At the end of the day, and we can say uh, so we can say things that try to, to push it off and try to put the problem on. Oh, it's those southern states, or it's those white uh, uh, churches in that area. It's not our church. We were part of the uh, the railroad here uh, to be able to bring African Americans, the slaves, uh, to freedom. And so we put that on our shoulders. And we always are pushing it off and always saying, oh, it must be someone else's problem. Understand, friends, that the, the transformation has to come from within us, uh, which is going to come from Jesus Christ working in and through us. As we've been talking here in the book of Acts, that now the, the Holy Spirit resides in us as the temple of God. 
And what Martin Luther King could not understand as he looked at churches and steeples all around him, he says, am I worshiping the same God? What, what is going on here? How can God move in this way in African American lives and, then, and white people that they do not respond in the same way? It's offensive. And it's not right. Russell Moore talked, uh, and he is a, a white man speaking to uh, white churches generally, and be able to, to make this point, particularly the way that uh, leaders in Baptist churches were removed from their positions for speaking out in favor of the African-American movement. Now this morning, again, uh, as Pastor Brian spoke to just a moment ago, to be able to say there, that Scripture is being hijacked on both sides of this issue. Uh, African-Americans using Jesus overturning the tables when he went into the temple and saying that makes it okay for us to be overturning tables and riding, and it's just not. That's taken out of context. The Bible is being taken out of context. Uh, when our political leaders uh, take the Bible and use the Bible as a weapon, as a tool to try to sway the religious right to say that this is the way that you're supposed to behave politically because you're a Christian, that is taking it out of context as well. We need to understand, we need to be reminded that we come to this as sin, as human nature, that we must come, as, as the psalmist says, we come back, that the kings of the earth are taking their stand, the rulers are gathering together against the Lord and against His anointed one. Friends, when the nations rage, we must rise up and pray for transformation, for miraculous transformation in each of us. And so for just a few moments here this morning, uh, we're going to talk about it here as a team at the tables. We're going to discuss a little bit of what's come here on Facebook uh, in an uncomfortable way. As I'm speaking again, it's uncomfortable for a white pastor to talk about being white and having a white church and knowing that there are certain things that we do as white people that are inappropriate and they're wrong and they're unintentional, but they are there. And we're going to try to talk about that briefly here this morning. But in all that we do, we want to point back to Jesus Christ. And then we're going to rise up and we're going to pray. So guys, when the nations rage, rise up and pray. So what are some of your thoughts as we've been going through this this morning? Yeah, I continue to kind of maul, like I said before, the idea that just my sadness and the lack of Jesus in the conversation and the fact that we... Uh, and and that's, that goes for the Christian community. I mean, that's, I mean, I don't expect those who aren't followers of Jesus to bring up Jesus, but the fact that we are, like I said, addressing the weed, but needing the gospel saturation to say, this is the only thing that will actually fix, right. fix the problem. Right. Um, but I'm also convicted by the fact, like you said, is that the, that work starts with me, right? So right. it's easy to say, um, you need the gospel. You need to know that you're a sinner. You need to recognize that. You need to understand your bias. It's much harder, as you admitted, to say, I'm a sinner. I don't see things clearly. I have a bias that are unfiltered and, and just plain wrong. Right. And a lot of times, um, whenever there's like a fight, whenever there's a, a tension, it always takes one person to lay down the gloves first. Mm -hmm. that, that always is the first step in reconciliation. And so for us, as a church... I feel like that's our role. Our, right. our role is to say, we are sinners. Like, not you are sinners. We are sinners. We need to accept the gospel every day. But that's the root. That's, that's the start of boldly proclaiming and helping uh, with, ra with racial reconciliation is Jesus, is the gospel that says, right. 
we all are messed up and we all need we all need Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So that sin is in me, mm-hmm. right? That sin is built into me. That culturally has been uh, indoctrinated into me. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, yesterday, we spent some time at the at the Amherst State Park. We went there and played in the water. Uh, just had a good time as a family there. Um, legitimately, uh, and again, these foolish things that white people say. We say, "Oh, don't! I've got. I can't be racist. I've got black friends. I just. I've. I've referenced." a couple of the African-American pastors that I've met with this week because that makes me feel better, mm-hmm. right? Don't, it's not me. I'm not the racist. And, and so we, went, we go to the park, and of course, of all things, I see groups of black people gathering together, and I think to myself and even whisper to my family, I wonder if there's a, a protest that we weren't aware of that maybe we should go and join them. It's actually literally what I was thinking. It wasn't a protest. There, there was a wedding in the park. They were gathering for a wedding, a small group of people that were there for a wedding in the park, and immediately my racial tensions start to raise because that sin is in me, friends. I'm not proud of it. I don't want that. But that's part of what needs to be transformed in us. Uh, The American slavery issue is entirely different from slavery anywhere else we see in Scripture, anywhere else that we've seen in the world, and it's an epidemic of, of, of that proportion in that situation. And that's the first step of identifying the root, yeah. right? That's the root, right? And so there's lots of good things that are happening, and I'm not, so mowing down the weeds like that, you know, sometimes you've got to do that. And so that's not uh, necessarily, uh, those aren't bad things, but the weed will return, right? And we see this year, you know, centuries after, you know, like, that, you know, they're saying, yeah. well, how much has changed? And it's like, you're right, the weeds keep coming back. Right. And this will eventually, this, this kind of tension in the air, the tension in the air, it will subside eventually. Right. The protests will stop and things like that. And eventually the re- weeds will return because Jesus actually deals with the root, not the weed. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think what we need to focus on, guys, is, is what we see here in Scripture is that um, we, we don't need to choose a side. Mm-hmm. Right. We, need to, we need to just be biblical about it. We need to rise up and pray. And, and uh, you know, to answer your question, Brian, and to kind of address the point you said, you know, as, as believers in Jesus, what do we do, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we always got to have that biblical perspective. We've got to look to God's word regardless of the situation. doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge people are um, feeling alienated or people right. are feeling, or people have been alienated or whatever, um, but we have to have a biblical perspective on it and how do we respond to that. And if you're a Christian and you're not in God's word, if you're not uh, praying, if you're not fellowshipping, even as weird as it may be in during this time, um, you know, you're not, uh, not going to be able to offer hope to anybody because you're not rooted in Jesus Christ. You're not rooted in God's word. You're not rooted in the things of the spirit. And that's where we need to be, regardless of, of where your political stances are sure. related to that. Yeah. So when we read here in verse 31, this says, And after they prayed, the place that they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. So as we gather together this morning, the few people in this room and, and many more online, we were reminded that we are to, to speak the word of God boldly. When the Holy Spirit is speaking through you, you had better speak boldly. Uh, but the place that they were meeting was shaken. Something stirred inside of them. Like they actually had, had a response that was real and tangible that they could uh, respond and movement came out of that. But it all comes first in verse 31, after they had prayed. 
So this morning what we're going to do, I'm going to begin us, uh, kind of close the message in, in a word of prayer here. Uh, but those of you who are in the room, there's a, there's a handful of people here in the room. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning because uh, we can't gather together. We're going to keep you in your families here. Uh, but I'm going to ask you actually to turn uh, in your pews here and, and kneel at your pew. At make a positional change here. Sometimes it's sometimes moving. A, a tangible movement uh, is something that will uh, help us to be reminded that we are to pray. And so uh, I will close us in prayer here. If you're watching at home, I ask you to do the same thing, whether it's at your kitchen table, whether it's at your sofa in your living room. Would you... Would you Put your knees. Some of you are going to lay prostrate before the Lord, understanding that we are submitting to a holy God who can actually do miracles and transform this situation beyond anything that we could do in and of our own strength. That is what we are praying for. So let me begin us in prayer, and then you'll have here on the video, you'll, you're going to have a minute or two of silence, and then we will move on to our next, uh, next things here. So uh, let me pray, and then I'll give you an opportunity here in the room to get to your knees. Dear Lord, thank you so much uh, for your word. We thank you for the way that you moved powerfully in this early church with this small band of people, Lord, that were going to transform all of Rome because you were working in them and through them. Lord, we trust that you're going to have to transform and do something different inside of us than what we can do in and of our own strength. Because in our own strength, we continue to rebel and continue to fight against you. Uh, we have a sin nature in us that is strong. We are asking for your anointed one, the Holy One, Jesus Christ, uh, through his Holy Spirit to be able to work inside of us and transform us into something new and miraculously different. And so, Lord, we pray these things this morning, beginning in this room and rippling out from here in Jesus' name. Friends, if you're in the room with us, will you get to your knees and pray? here in this room at home if you'll do the same i'll just give you a few moments to pray if you want to uh, use facebook as a, a way to type out your prayers be able to share those as well there we would encourage that would you pray would you pray that god's authority would be acknowledged not only in this situation but in all situations Would you pray that God's word would be accomplished? When he says in Psalms 2, that he will come and he will be our refuge and our strength, our help in time of trouble. Pray that his word would be accomplished, that his son would be lifted up, and that Jesus Christ would reign. Would you pray that God's people would boldly speak the truth of God's word? Not that we would just talk at nauseam about whatever's on our minds, but that we would speak your truth, Lord, that your word would be proclaimed.
would you pray for a miraculous healing and transformation in the hearts of God's people? As Pastor Brian said, those who are far from God, we call, we call on them to, to, to turn to Jesus Christ. But God's people here in this room, listening online, rippling out against all the evangelicals, African-American, white, it doesn't matter, Lord. Would they be returning to you and there would be a miraculous transformation in them? That there would be a, a rumbling inside of their hearts as you are moving. God, we ask for a miraculous change. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this text, the way that it speaks to us here today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for participating with us here. Thank you for praying at home. We pray that just as at the beginning of this passage says that they raised their voices, they called out to God, that you, as you look at the nations raging, that you would be willing to rise up and pray. Have the difficult conversations. Interact with the difficult things that are going on around us. Um, there's, there's plenty of ways for you to respond. We're going to give you uh, practical ways here in a moment, just what's going on this week. Uh, but there are things going on in our city that you can be a part of. Uh, there are some things that are unhealthy going on in our city that you should not be a part of. <laughs> Make sure you know the difference between the two. Uh, my family personally is going to join in a, in a prayer walk this afternoon. About 2 o'clock this afternoon, there'll be a prayer walk that we'll participate in. Um, but, but just be aware that you are carrying the light of Jesus Christ everywhere that you go in this.